You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. I'm Ed Ludlow in New York, in for Emily Chang. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, tech continues to tumble. The Nasdaq 100 falls for a fifth day. Its worst streak since February as angst among global central banks and a strong dollar grows. Plus, Amazon goes after deal-hungry shoppers as retailers brace for a lackluster holiday season. The e-commerce giant will hold a second Prime Day sale this October in the fight back against inflation. And is it a bird? Is it a plane? No. It's your delivery falling from the sky. We talked to Zipline about the drone startup's new sound technology, the latest play to win over regulators. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, Amazon's trying Prime Day again. The company is offering a two-day early access sale on October 11th and 12th, ahead of the holiday season. It's the first time it's done two Prime Day events in the same year. This as retailers across the world warn of a slowdown in holiday shopping. Here to discuss... Bloomberg's Spencer Soper. Spencer, what's the play here from Amazon? Hey, why not? You know, try to slap Prime Day on it. Try to get people excited. Try to get a bunch of them to your to your site. Sell as much stuff as you can. They've definitely got a lot of merchants dealing with an inventory glut, like a lot of other a lot of other retailers. They want to move things quickly and they want to try to get people's money before somebody else does. So we've got this kind of race going on of Christmas creeping earlier and earlier into the season. Was this a surprise that they would add a second Prime Day, or did we know that it was in the works? Not really. There were some reports about it about it happening. I think it was the precise day was really the the only uh, the only news, and that they're kind of rebranding it as a as a Prime Early Access as a, as opposed to calling it Prime Day Two because Prime Day Two just doesn't sound uh, fresh enough or something. You talked a little bit about inventories. You know, I think a lot of the sellers on Amazon had to do this juggling act, right, of supply chain crunch, getting things in for last holiday season. A lot of that didn't turn up until the middle of this year. So what's the risk here for the sellers on, on the Amazon platform? Well, the risk is that they don't sell it, you know. So I think we're going to see prices drop, drop a lot. 
uh, on on consumer goods, you know, on on non-discretionary. Um, I'm sorry, on, on discretionary purchases. Right. So you know, and then and then they're trying to align with consumer taste. A lot of things people wanted the past couple of years during the pandemic, they just don't want anymore. So um, how do you entice somebody to buy that if they don't want it? You got to give them a great, great, great deal. So you know that that's going to be the danger there, and a lot of these merchants anticipating taking taking haircuts and a lot of even retooling retooling their uh, uh, their product line to try to try to align better with with what people uh, are buying now. What's the mood music been from Andy Jassy and Amazon about the state of the global consumer, about the economic pain that we're seeing around the world? Ah, they haven't given a, a whole lot of guidance on it or, or said a whole lot. You know, they're still just trying to. Uh, you know, pr- promote their business, be, be the place to go for, for deals, be the place to go for your holiday shopping, preach uh, convenience, um, and just try to try to stand out, you know? So, uh, you know, basically it's just going to be a dogfight for every consumer dollar and they, they want to, they, they want to get everyone they can. I remember the conversation you and I were having last year. I was in London at the time, but Black Friday, Cyber Monday, what does a second Prime Day event mean in terms of how consumers spend with those kind of other traditional holiday shopping periods? Yeah, we don't know if they're kind of borrowing uh, tomorrow's spending today. I think a lot of this is retailers just racing, realizing that people are probably going to be coming up against the edges of their spending limits come the holiday season. You know, it's like people are leaning on their credit cards to pay for things like food and fuel. You know, that's how they've been dealing with inflation. So come holiday season, they might not have a lot of room even on their credit cards, let alone money to spend. So I think they're just trying to lock those sales in uh, while people still have money. Hey, Spencer, what are we hearing from the retailers themselves that have their small businesses on the Amazon platform? I just said they're they're not expecting the best holiday. You know, again, they, they, they recognize there's an inventory glut. They know that they're competing with against a lot, a lot of other sellers. So they're going to have to pay for advertising to stand out. Then they're going to have to have, uh, you know, good discounts to get buyers to, to compel buyers to buy. So they're not looking for a, uh, a great holiday. All right. Bloomberg Spencer Soper. Thank you very much. Let's talk mega caps. Shares of Microsoft have dropped about 29% year to date, almost double the decline Apple has seen in its stock. But research from Bloomberg Intelligence finds if you get the microscope out, Microsoft is outperforming the iPhone maker on almost every single financial metric and might be better positioned to survive a recession. Joining us to discuss is the author of that research, Bloomberg Intelligence senior tech analyst Anurag Rana. Anurag, what is the thesis here? So the thesis is very simple. When you look at the tech space, software has been killed quite a bit over the last one year, or I would say nine months because of rising rates, because it's one of the highest growth sectors. And, you know, we think Microsoft has been, uh, you know, punished unjustly compared to the likes of Apple, who has performed better in this time frame. And our thesis is, if you look at the growth profile of Microsoft, it's better than Apple. If you look at the margin profile, it's better than Apple. And, and finally, and most importantly, it is a lot less uh, dependent or exposed to China than Apple is. I think we have a Bloomberg terminal chart that shows us the 12-month price-to-earnings multiples on both Apple and Microsoft. Microsoft come down a little below Apple in recent trading sessions. Are investors just sort of more focused on Microsoft's near term, what it's doing right now, rather than what it could do? 
See, I think in both cases, Microsoft has not disappointed anybody in the last, I would say, quarter. And I think if we go into next quarter also, you know, they haven't revised their guidance. Now, dollar is going to be an issue, so translation risk is there, and which we all know. But if you look at the constant currency growth, we see no reason why Microsoft cannot grow 12 to 15% in constant currency, at least for the next two quarters. And even if we hit a bad recession next year, you know, we still argue that it can grow north of 10% in constant currency. It has a very diverse portfolio of software products from cloud to office to windows. And, you know, a mixture of all of this should let, should, uh, you know, allow them to grow north of 10%. So let's zero into that idea of being recession proof, or at least better positioned to weather a recession. You know, Microsoft and Apple do have different businesses. Why is Microsoft better positioned to weather a recession than Apple? So we argue that enterprises are in a better position than consumers are. Now, in the case of Apple, you know, Apple consumers in most cases are rich people and they will continue to buy Apple, the, the iPhones. But if you look at a year-over-year growth comparison, you know, Apple's consensus, if you just go by consensus for the next three years, it's high single digits. If you look at Microsoft, it's going to be in low double digits, at least for that time frame. So even without, you know, diving deeper into that, they can surprise on the upside because of cloud or because of any other reason. And this is not even accounting for the Activision acquisition going through. You know, Microsoft is better positioned because of its enterprise presence. There's one key market that we're all zeroed in on right now, and that's China. Where does China fit into this idea that Microsoft may be better positioned right now in some sense relative to Apple? So if you look at Apple, Apple is very exposed to the greater China region. I think, you know, it generates over 20% of its revenue there. But more importantly, from its supply chain, you know, bulk of the phones are assembled in that market. Any disruptions globally because of, um, you know, COVID reasons or any geopolitical tensions, you know, Apple will have a hard time to um, fulfill the demand for its products. While when you look at Microsoft, it does depend on China for its uh, expansion of its cloud uh, data centers. But other than that, it does not generate that much revenue away from uh, from China or for that matter, um, you know, is exposed to it either from a supply chain uh, a lot less than what Apple is. We broke some news the other day here on Bloomberg Technology about Microsoft's confidence that this Activision deal gets done and the market really seemed to be paying attention. What was your read on that? I think this is going to be a very interesting uh, acquisition for everybody in the tech line because I think the general consensus is that the regulators are going to be very tough on Microsoft, and which is partially the reason you see a massive price gap. But it, you know, it, it, I, I think every every couple of months we will see if there is there are no major, uh, I'd say, hangups from the regulators. You would see that price gap closing. In fact, our antitrust analyst thinks that the deal is going to go through uh, because of. Um, the nature of the deal rather than, uh, you know, the size of Microsoft or the size of the deal. Apple, fundamental strong near-term risk. Why did you write that? Yeah, I mean, the reason we say that is because if you look at Apple for right now, 43% of their revenue comes from both Europe and China. And those are two geographies or two regions that are facing economic uh, slowdown right now. In fact, Europe, we think, is things are probably going to get worse before, you know, in the near term before they get better. The second thing we want to point out is that the iPhone 14 is not a mobile leader, uh, a needle mover for Apple, just because the hardware design is still old. Uh, and in most cases, in the base model, 
even the processor is a bit old. And the next year's model is going to be a big shift. When you look at the Apple's uh, install base of, let's say, 800 million iPhones, and with the right. refresh cycle of about 3.67 million phones, 3.6 years, you're going to sell about 220 million phones. We don't see that needle changes this year as much. All right, Anurag Rana crunching the numbers at Bloomberg Intelligence. Thank you very much. Sticking with Apple, the company's begun manufacturing its new iPhone 14 in India much sooner than expected. Production is weeks ahead of schedule after Foxconn found the process surprisingly smooth. Apple is expanding manufacturing as tensions in China, where most iPhones are made, escalate with the US. At the same time, India has been key to make the country into a viable competitor to China in technology and production capability. And Apple's aggressive push into audio, specifically wireless headphones, has been one of the company's most successful bets. Bloomberg's Max Chafkin explains the controversial strategy around the AirPods. Good morning. For years, investors and fans of Apple have been waiting to see if the company's CEO, Tim Cook, can release a product to match the success of the iPhone. But Apple's next big thing might be in your pocket already. I'm talking about these little things. AirPods. Third-party estimates suggest Apple sold around 120 million pairs last year, taking in about $20 billion. And the reason for their success also gets to the heart of why Apple is so controversial. Partly it's a credit to the headphones themselves, but only partly. It's sort of easy to forget that when these were released, reviewers hated them. They didn't sound great, they got lost easily, they're not durable, they're environmentally questionable. But they had one thing going for them. They were easy to set up with the iPhone. This wasn't an accident. It was the culmination of Cook's strategy to transform the phone from a one-off product to an ecosystem of services like iCloud and accessories like the Apple Watch and AirPods. None of these extras really do much without the phone, and the phone doesn't work particularly well without them. Back in 2016, when Apple announced AirPods, the company also made everybody else's headphones worse by getting rid of the audio jack on the iPhone. To use normal headphones, you need an adapter. The company's VP of marketing said this was about one thing. Courage. Which, okay, sure, but it was also about Apple's awesome market power. That makes the company controversial. Spotify, Epic Games, Tile, and even Google all say it abuses its power. But antitrust litigation will take years, and until then, Apple can extract ever more money out of its 15 years young cash cow, the iPhone. Who needs a next big thing? Thanks to Max Chafkin for that. Coming up, remote working during the pandemic has left many New York offices empty. How the trend is part of a larger property dilemma in major cities across the world. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said.
done. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
The rise of remote work during the pandemic has put New York City at the center of a global property dilemma, where multi-billion dollar buildings sit vacant, leaving property owners in a bind. Bloomberg's Natalie Wong has the details. Now, as you know, I'm visiting from San Francisco. If I take a stroll down Third Avenue, there's far fewer workers going through revolving doors than there were, say, four years ago when I was last here. What's the story? Right, and you see a lot of vacant storefronts as well. Um, as you well know, a lot of workers are just not coming into the office, and companies are reducing their real estate footprint because of that, and those that are looking to expand are simply just not looking at an office building on 3rd Avenue. You know, we're all still using tools like Zoom and Teams, Microsoft Teams, you know, there's multiple options. But what are the landlords gonna do to, to fix this, to get workers and companies back into the buildings themselves? A lot of landlords all across the city are adding amenities. They're putting in hundreds of millions of dollars into their office building to add stuff like outdoor spaces, new lobbies, new elevators to entice new tenants. And then hopefully those tenants will get their workers to come back in as well as we're slowly starting to see happen across the city. It's a long-standing problem, same in San Francisco. There's just not enough apartments at an affordable price point. Right. But there's a lot of empty buildings, you just told me. How do we convert? And why is it so hard to convert those office buildings into residential? That's a question that everyone's asking. You know, the reality is a lot of the midtown office buildings are so big and rectangular, and there's just so much dark spaces within those buildings that it's hard to convert into livable residential areas. And on top of that, there's zoning restrictions with the city that doesn't allow for these types of um, renovations to be made. And there's no tax or financial incentives that are provided to landlords to embark on this super costly um, renovation. That's the building owner's perspective. Yes. What do the tenants want? You know, what are they asking for? Tenants want the best in the newest places. They want to be near Grand Central Terminal. They want to be near their peers, you know, uh, private equity finance firms, mega big tech firms that are expanding on the far west side of Manhattan. And they have a lot of options to choose from. So if they're going to choose between, you know, a Third Avenue 1950s building that has sort of been renovated, but not really, or look at Hudson Yards where there's new skyscrapers and landlords are providing incentives to get you to move in, they're going to choose the newer ones. Right. This is part of our Bloomberg Big Take, of course. What was the thing that surprised you most reporting this out? I think the thing that surprised me the most was really just how much this impacts everyone, not just landlords, but tenants, and also the city. You know, the city has lost a lot of tax revenue due to the decline in the values of these office buildings, and it doesn't look like it's going to turn around anytime soon. All right. Thank you to Bloomberg's Natalie Wong. This is Bloomberg Technology. I'm Ed Ludlow in New York. Let's get back to that market volatility. Major benchmarks like the Nasdaq 100 continue to fluctuate as economic uncertainty and monetary policy changes spur concern. And that includes a hit to all corners of the technology universe, making this a tough environment for everyone, from mega caps to Silicon Valley startups. Let's bring in Race Capital General Partner Alfred Schwang. He's known as the Valley CEO's CEO. Alfred. What is your read on these markets right now? Well, Ed, thank you for having me. Um, now, at Race Capital, we are seed and earliest investor in infrastructure companies like Databricks, Solana, and FTX. So when I saw Race Capital's founder, Sam, uh, Sam Bankman-Free, in New York last week, we talked about how the crypto market was in much worse shape in 2019 as it is compared to today when he first started FTX. 
So the growth stage and the late stage venture market may have been dampened, obviously by the recent market crash. But we are seeing early stage deals staying very strong, I think because of a few reasons. Number one, seed funding is not tied to revenue. Market slowdown has very little impact to early stage founders. So when we invest, we look for a founder market fit. Right. Right. So, and most seed stage companies raise 18 to 24 months of runway to find that fit itself. Number two, IPO is not the only route of exit anymore. I mean, we look at the recent Adobe Figma, $20 billion mega deal. We can see um, the next two years is going to be very strong in NMA again. So that's cyclical. And three, venture capital investors are sitting on $162 billion of cash for new investments. So these dry powders, they're driving energy to find the best founder and a lot of early stage deals. So what you're seeing is not risk aversion like we see in the public markets, like we see in the later stages. Are you guys ready to spend? You're ready to deploy capital? Or are you sitting on the sidelines? No, no, we are definitely not sitting on the sideline. We've been extremely active in investing. In fact, um, if you look at the cycle, post a year 2000, post 2008, the very best you know, breakout company were invested soon after those crashes. Really good companies and strong founders you know, bubble up to the top and then valuations are very rational. So you can make bets and be able to have drive large ownership much easier. So this is definitely a good time. You talked about valuations being rational. There's hundreds of startups out there, potentially more with unicorn status, right? Billion dollar valuations. What's the risk that we see those valuations come down, that there's a major repricing of startups of a certain size? Well, this happens in every cycle. So the late stage deal obviously will be highly impacted by the equity market and where it's going because that's where uh, people thought the liquidity would be. But now we're also seeing, you know, going back to the Figma deal at $20 billion in size, right? That's because any IPO could possibly drive for, you know, investors along the way. So I'm actually not concerned because tech's always needed and we're about to see one major revolution of going decentralization through Web3 of the type of application that will emerge in the next generation. So very good time indeed. They call you the Silicon Valley CEO's CEO. You were an early investor in a lot of names we now know, right? FTX, Solana, you founded and took public BEA systems, right? Give me the founder's perspective. How hard is it right now to be a fledgling startup or a founder with an idea to sit in front of an investor and come away with some cash in your pocket? Well, without a doubt, raising money is not quite like uh, last year. And founder has to be really on the game to be able to have a story about how they will be able to generate revenue. So thank goodness the word revenue and cash flow matters again. So which is a crucial thing of running real businesses. So and the other thing is, you know, run rate and costs and expenses, we're seeing a slew of layoffs, mostly not because those companies cannot afford those people, but they're rethinking how to get the profitability and cash flow positive. So those are things I think is good discipline that we should be seeing good CEO driving great companies that will last a long, long time. There are some areas I know that you have a keen interest in. Web3 
being one. We talk about that in such big abstract terms, you know, what will big tech do when it comes to Web3? Will they do anything at all when it comes to Web3? Do you think investors are starting to lose a bit of patience there? Well, um, Web3 is much more cyclical than the regular market. So if you look at the cycle of Web3, it's pacing at about three years because we saw the last crash in about 2019. We saw a crash in 2022. So if you look at regular cycles, about eight to 10 years, Web3 cycles about every three years. It's just showing the maturation of the technology is moving a lot faster than other cycles we have seen. You know, uh, you know look at it, you know, you know, like Amazon Web Services, AWS from Amazon, controls over one third of Western's world's internet infrastructure. Right? That's really is unheard of. You have such, you know, large concentrated control of the internet itself. And then you have the other two players, you know, following them combined, they control almost almost all of the Western right. internet infrastructure itself. So decentralization of the internet is greatly needed. We are have been frustrated with centralized social media control. So the only way to solve it is some of this have to be by technology. So this has to happen. Hey, Alfred, before I let you go, let me draw on your experience. You've been through the tech bubble. You've been through economic ups and downs. How does what we're seeing now in the global economy compare to what you've seen before? Well, um, there were scary at times. So in the 2000 bubble, we're all super early stage companies that were listed publicly and getting trashed, you know, when they don't make earnings. And the market, you know, have no escape because it's all publicly done. So when the rug got pulled under, it was over. In 2008, it was a financial crisis. We weren't even sure if our banking system was sound right. and was to be a continuum. Now this is very different. I believe, obviously, we have major issue in the world. We have inflation. We have rapidly rising interest rate, which caused the market to be retreating to the level they are. And now a T-bill is generating 4%. It's a, we're in a whole different world. So I think from that perspective, investment has to change. But from the tech perspective, we're going to see insanely remarkable productive applications in the next few years out. It'll be better right. than anything we've ever experienced. It's going to be a great time ahead. Race Capital General Partner Alfred Zhuang, thank you. Now, autonomous delivery drone startup Zipline has developed a new sound-based technology to help its aircraft better identify other airspace users. The company hopes the new tech will convince regulators to open up the skies for more drone-based deliveries. I took a trip to a Walmart in northwest Arkansas where Zipline's trialing the tech and caught up with CEO Keller Ronaldo. Is this about to become a more common sight? Zipline thinks so. We're at the Up Summit, and yep. the Up Summit is held in Bentonville, Arkansas. Let's talk about Zipline. What is Zipline? Zipline is providing teleportation as a service to countries, to companies, and now directly to homes. We started with medical products. Today we deliver um, many different things to primary care facilities, hospitals, homes. Whatever people need quickly can be delivered via an autonomous aircraft. 
Zipline launched in Rwanda in 2016. Since then, the service has grown a lot. We actually initially launched just serving 21 hospitals. Today, we serve almost 3,000 hospitals across Rwanda, Ghana, Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, Kenya, and now the United States and Japan. I mean, we've delivered one and a half million doses of COVID-19 vaccine, five million doses of traditional vaccine. We deliver 75% of the national blood supply of a couple countries at this point, fully autonomously, uh, in a way that saves lives and saves countries money. Talk to me how in practice that would actually work loading the drone and, and going from there. Talk to me through the whole process. Once the vehicle launches from the distribution center, it's flying completely autonomously, making all of its own decisions. It'll fly to the GPS coordinates, deliver the package, and we use a really simple, basically, parachute drop, which means that anybody can receive a delivery. You don't need any special infrastructure to receive a delivery. Then the vehicle comes home, lands, we can swap the battery and have the plane back in the air two minutes later. Zipline's latest gambit is taking on the US retail and e-commerce market. Launching zip line 963 in three, two, one. So when the zip drone shoots off the launcher, it's doing zero to 60 miles an hour in 0.8 seconds. And the battery on the drone means that it, it could travel 200 nautical miles technically on paper, but they're limited to this 1.4 mile radius because the FAA have strict regulations on drones, right? This is what the whole story is about using this technology in the real world. But this pilot in Pea Ridge, Northwest Arkansas, here at the Walmart store, if you live within that 1.4 mile radius, you can order your hamburger helper or your toothpaste or Q-tips or an orange, whatever you need, and they'll deliver it to your home. To get regulators on board, Zipline's hoping a new sound-based technology will give other air users more confidence that skies full of drones are safe. Explain to me the basics of the technology. DAA stands for de detect and avoid, and it's kind of a core problem for autonomy in United States airspace right now. When you have a really busy airspace, for autonomous vehicles, you must be able to guarantee a two-mile all-clear hockey puck around the vehicles. And there really is no good solution to that problem. We've tried using radar, we've tried using LIDAR, we've tried using cameras. Those systems are expensive, they're heavy, they're energy consumptive, and a lot of times they just plain don't work. The Zipline is solving this problem using a microphone array. It's an extremely weird, practical <laughs> approach to this problem, and one that we frankly thought was impossible four years ago as we started working on it. When you're flying through the air really fast, microphones are picking up a lot of ambient noise. You're also having to manage the noise of your own propellers, because the aircraft is making noise as it's flying, and you're listening for something that is somewhere within two miles of you. The amazing thing is that by using really intricate mechanical engineering design, different ways of designing this microphone array, and then combining that with like signal processing processing and neural nets that can listen to the sound that you're getting from the microphones, we can actually determine not only exactly where a vehicle is, but we can also determine the exact make and model of that aircraft. We think that this technology is going to have a big impact on autonomy in the airspace broadly, um, not just for Zipline. Will this new tech take Zipline mainstream? Bloomberg NEF analysis suggests the use of drones would only be economical in highly specialized or niche situations like surveillance or mapping. Is delivery in the retail context the biggest market opportunity for you? There's a global transformation coming in logistics, and that is away from these big, heavy, slow gas combustion vehicles toward light, fast, electric, autonomous. It's really our mission. Our exclusive focus is just on approximating teleportation as a company.
As currencies around the world fluctuate, the sterling dropping to a record low against the dollar, there's widespread pessimism rocking markets. But cryptocurrencies during the quarter have performed, well, pretty well. What does this mean? Bloomberg Sonali Basak, who else, is here to explain the relative performance. I see volatility everywhere. I see volatility in crypto. But if you dig a little deeper, there is some outperformance there. It's really interesting to watch how the last couple of months have gone because even though there are a lot of folks in the market that are worried that crypto will break again below that 17,500 mark, you still have the last quarter since the end of June, crypto doing pretty well overall. So if you look at a specific index that we look at, and this is an index of 100 digital currencies tracked by Bloomberg, you're looking at the MDIS Crypto Compared Digital Assets 100 Index, it has added almost 7% since then. That is pretty close to its second performer there, that is the dollar at about 8%. The S&P 500 and gold even has fallen in that time. So you're not looking at, uh, of course, all of those classic risk uh, havens performing all that well here. Now, there's some interesting questions here about whether that will continue on. Of course, crypto has fallen pretty meaningfully this year. I don't want to make three months a trend, but it certainly is something that has not fallen below that lower bound that we saw earlier this year, and in the last three months at least has been a pretty strong performance. Yeah, not a trend necessarily, but we are looking for sort of the direction of travel. Sam Bankman-Fried, somebody that you know well, has been tweeting. I think we can bring it up here. Boy, with the world thinking differently about crypto price moves, they measured if, I think he means, they measured it versus world currency baskets instead of just the US dollar. And I think that's a great point that he made because of over the weekend when you saw these massive fluctuations in currencies across the world, you had the crypto crowd stand up and say, what does this mean for cryptocurrencies? And if you work in a, or live in a country where assets, digital assets can be less volatile than your actual currency, you have people, for example, in Argentina that have flocked to digital assets in a very meaningful way, even El Salvador, even with that volatility, then what does the digital asset mean? It, it means a lot more than if you're living in a much sta- more stable nation. There are still some dissenting voices, some of them louder than others. I'm thinking, of course, of Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan. What did he have to say recently about Bitcoin in particular? Yes, yeah, so of course, if you're looking in the traditional finance world, TradeFi, you are looking at Bitcoin as a decentralized Ponzi scheme, is what Jamie Dimon told regulators and lawmakers last week. However, let's think about what crypto has done and what it looks like. I wanted to point this out just as a you know an exercise here, Ed. We had tips, inflation-protected bonds up. Why does that matter here? In the sake of crypto, crypto has long been you know pitched as an inflation hedge. And I want to say, for the people who even say that in that as an inflation hedge has fallen apart, so has TIPS, which are inflation-protected bonds, which was a hedge fund favorite this year. So you do see both traditional finance and DeFi hitting a little bit of, uh, what do you call it, a roadblock here in the narrative in terms of what crypto means for many people. Hey, very quick, we just had the merge. What's the next kind of calendar event (laughs) that the crypto world looks to? Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned the merge because Ethereum was a big part of that outperformance in that index in the last three months. But again, does that continue on and to what extent does that filter into other assets? Do you see that same love in other proof of stake networks, things like Solana and the NFT world? As we know, there are a lot 
of interesting things happening when you look at the ape community, for example, and we've, we've talked about it here, the moonbirds as well. So again, the tangential assets to Ethereum we're looking at. All right, Bloomberg Sonali Basak, thank you. Coming up, a delay in depositions. Both Elon Musk and Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal pushed their pretrial depositions before the October 17 buyout trial. We'll bring you the latest next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop. Customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? 
You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. We're three weeks away from a court showdown between Elon Musk and Twitter. Starting October 17th, a Delaware Chancery judge will decide whether the world's richest person has legitimate grounds to walk away from a deal to buy the social media platform for $44 billion. Monday was supposed to be a key moment in the lead up to the trial, but it didn't pan out that way. Joining us to discuss, Bloomberg's Kurt Wagner. So Kurt, Elon and Parag were supposed to be deposed Monday it didn't happen. What happened? Yeah, both uh, Elon and Parag essentially are trying to reschedule their depositions here. Elon was uh, scheduled to uh, be deposed in Delaware. Uh, Parag Agarwal, the CEO of Twitter, was going to do so here in San Francisco. And in both cases, it seems like um, you know the timing isn't right. And and we're told, or my understanding is that this is not uh, super rare in a, in a situation like this. But what makes it interesting, of course, Ed, is that we're three weeks away from this right. trial. The trial is three weeks from today, right? So there's only so many more days for them to push this thing before everyone has to sit down and, and share their side of the story. I want to bring up this chart in my Bloomberg terminal, which I feel like I've looked at for years, but probably just months. <laughs> And it shows the spread, right, of the current share price versus the $54.20 a share that Musk originally offered. And the idea is that, you know, as the spread closes and, and the current share price gets closer to that, that offer price, the market's indicating that it thinks this deal will get done. Monday was weird. When we got the news that the depositions were delayed, the stock shot up and very quickly came back down again. There was speculation, it seems, in the market that we might be talking about settlement behind the scenes. It's not clear. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, obviously, when two key players like this suddenly push their depositions, you know, as you pointed out, you could see people jump to a conclusion here. Now, we have not heard anything about a settlement. And my guess would be that if there is a settlement, it'll come much closer to the trial because both sides want to figure out what information they can get from these depositions. Right. I mean, they don't want to to come to a settlement without un. Uh, covering every rock here. And so I think because there are so many people that they still have to talk to, it seems a little premature at this point. But as you point out, there are a lot of people who saw that news and probably thought, huh, this is interesting. Why are these two people pushing their uh, depositions? Maybe there's something happening behind the scenes. Right. So the countdown's on. Three weeks to go. What happens next? 
Well, a lot more of, of this type of stuff, a lot more behind the scenes lawyer work, right? These teams uh, uh, for both Musk and Twitter are trying to position themselves, um, you know, with the judge. There's going to be a hearing tomorrow to even find out, you know, who can be deposed and who can't be. They're still fighting over stuff like that. So there's just a lot of jockeying for position at this point, right? And and maybe there will be a, a settlement discussion at some point again as we get closer. But for now, I think both sides are just putting together their cases. They're kind of in that pre-trial preparation stage. Hey, Kurt, you excited for our trip to Delaware? I am ecstatic. We're going to have a great time. <laughs> it's going to be a busy week, but it'll be fun. All right, Bloomberg's Kurt Wagner. Thank you very much. I'll see you Thank there. You. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology Tuesday. We have ARK Invest Chief Futurist Brett Winton to share the latest on their investment strategy. Don't forget to check out our podcast. You can find it on the terminal as well as online on Apple, Spotify, and of course, on iHeart radio. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.